What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Evil Empire Podcast. Uh, you guys probably just heard the new intro. Uh, I've been trying to find a new intro song. I know that the one that we had before wasn't exactly... I don't know. It wasn't exactly enticing to listen to. It certainly wasn't, you know, my favorite intro. Uh, this one, though, definitely sounds great. And maybe it'll be the one for the foreseeable future. We'll see. But yeah, uh, today we're going to be talking about really the divisional playoff games. And this is probably the best slate of divisional games that I've ever witnessed. I mean, you know, we've had some pretty good conference championship games. I mean, you can think about the 2019 championship games between the Saints and the Rams and the Patriots and the Chiefs. And then you can go back to 2012 between the Patriots and the Ravens and the Niners-Giants games. And, you know, those were good games. But really the sheer insanely exciting contests that we got this past weekend will put this divisional round in the history books. And obviously, you know, if New England was here, it would have been a much better slate of divisional games. But, you know, then again, we probably wouldn't have got that Bills-Chiefs game, which was an absolute thriller. More on that game later. But for now, let's get into the first slate of games, both the Bengals and Titans matchup and the Packers versus the 49ers. And, you know, let's get into the Bengals-Titans game first. And really all I have to say is how. How do a team like the Titans go really from being fully healthy, having a first-round bye, and a monstrous, you know, returning Derrick Henry, who's now also fully healthy, how do they go down like that? And I mean, like, we knew that going to this game that the Bengals were not going to be an easy task. It's why they were one of my unofficial Dark Horse Super Bowl teams going into these playoffs. I mean, with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, oh, and that guy Joe Shiesty, this is one of the best offenses, really with the most talent you will see. And, you know, honestly, I would really wish that New England had a team like this. But honestly, with all of really the all the pain that, you know, Cincinnati has had to endure over these really over the past 30 years since maybe Boomer Sison was here. Uh, you've got other guys. Honestly, I can't name a notable Bengals player besides A.J. Green and Andy Dalton that has actually contributed to the Bengals' success. I probably could be missing a couple of guys here and there, but... Yeah, for right now, maybe Anthony Munoz back in the 80s. But yeah, honestly, I don't really know any notable guys. Maybe Terrell Owens here and there, Carson Palmer. But again, that's just a completely different discussion that we're going to go into. And I don't want to go on a tangent. But with all the pain that Bengals fans have had to endure over, you know, really their entire history, you know, it's finally nice to see that they're getting some success. But yeah, when you're going up against the number one seed, you know, it's not exactly going to be an easy game, especially when the number one seed has Derrick Henry as their running back. And going back to the Titans, I mean, you look at that, that team and, you know, they're a really impressive squad, especially with all they've had to deal with, losing Derrick Henry in week eight, and yet still being able to clinch the first seed. That's pretty impressive stuff. And then you also look at the teams that they beat. I mean, you've got the Rams, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bills. I mean, yeah, they've lost a couple of bad games. They lost against the Texans of all teams, but... I mean, this is a still this is still a team that is very dangerous. And now you you bring back their arguably their best player, probably one of the best players in the league, if you could say. And you're bringing him back, and now he's fully healthy. You expect the Titans, you know, just to pummel over the Bengals, especially in the divisional round where you know they're not at home. They're right right now. Tennessee is at home. They're playing a home game, and that was not how the story would go. The Titans' offense, one of the main focal points of their team, the reason for their success was putrid. Derrick Henry rushed 20 times but only gathered a mere 60 yards 
and he wasn't even the leading rusher, which belonged to Deontay Foreman. And here's where I want to go into really what happened with that Titans offense. And when you look at, you know, when you have success on your second string running back, I know that Derrick Henry is the main focal point. But when a guy like Deontay Foreman, I know that he did have one of those big chunk plays, but really when a guy like him is having success running the ball, they probably should have given Deontay Foreman the ball more than Derrick Henry, especially because Derrick Henry wasn't exactly the same self. And and yeah, it's just it was very interesting to see the Titans just com- continue to stick with Henry, uh, even though it really wasn't working. Now, A.J. Brown did have a fantastic evening, five catches for 142 yards and a score. But the real reason why the Titans lost this game, both in a game-deciding and overall matter, was because of Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill channeled his Miami Dolphins form and threw three interceptions. Now, again, the offensive situational play calling didn't help him as a failed two-point conversion and a fourth-and-one called in the fourth quarter really could have added some points that really would have forced Cincinnati to go for six points on the final drive, which likely wouldn't have happened if Tannehill didn't throw his third interception of the game. Ryan Tannehill is a guy that, you know, he's interesting because sometimes, you know, you look at him when that offense is going. With Derrick Henry, you know, he's having his best day. Ryan Tannehill looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback. He looks good. Well, Pro Bowl would probably be a stretch. He looks like a competent quarterback. When Derrick Henry is not going, again, games like the Patriots game and even the game against the Texans where he threw four interceptions against the Texans defense of all teams. But when you have games like that where Derrick Henry isn't available and you have to rely on Tannehill, Tannehill is not going to win you games. That's just We've seen that now one too many times. We saw it last year in the wildcard game where Derrick Henry got stuffed by that Ravens defense, and Ryan Tannehill was absolutely terrible again. So this is now the second year in a row where Ryan Tannehill has cost the Titans in the playoffs. And so now you really have to go think about his future uh, as a Titan going forward. He does have a heavy cap hit going into next year, so you know trading him wouldn't exactly be a bright idea. But yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate uh, to see talent go to waste, especially a guy like Derrick Henry, because of someone like Ryan Tannehill who's giving the ball away who's creating turnovers, and yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. Now, we do have to talk about the other guy on the other side of the field, Joe Burrow. Dude is continuing to be electric, even in the postseason. He's taking a remarkable step forward. Some would argue he's even better than Justin Herbert, and I think that would probably be an argument for another day. But yeah, for now, we have to just sit here and admire what we're watching from this guy, especially just a guy who's in his second year. 348 passing yards, and he completed a little over 75% of his passes. And keep in mind, this is really the result after taking nine sacks, a playoff record. Jeffrey Simmons, who had the day of his life, recorded three of those sacks. And Burrow, while being under duress throughout the entire game, still found a way to connect it with his buddies Shamar Chase and T. Higgins, who combined for 12 catches for 205 yards. Now, again, even with Burrow having an incredible performance, you know, there was a good chance that the Titans were going to win this game, especially on the final drive where the Titans got the ball and all they had to do was drive down the field and kick the game-winning field goal. And like I said, Ryan Tannehill throws that third interception right into Logan Wilson. And after that, you knew this game was sealed up. Even even without good field position, you knew the Bengals were going to go down the field. They're just that good. And obviously they did. Burrow hit Jamar Chase for a huge gain that would end up leading to... Money McPherson kicking the game, winning field goal. Bengals win 19-16. The Bengals were just simply the better team. They outplayed and outcoached the Titans in every way. 
except the Bengals' offensive line and the Titans' defensive line. Both were. One was good, one was just absolutely terrible. Titans fans better hope that next year is the year and they do go all the way. I mean, they had their chance this year, uh, and they blew it completely. Ryan Tannehill looks more like a liability than an actual competent quarterback. And, yeah, they lost this game because Ryan Tannehill failed to live up to expectation, even with a healthy Derrick Henry. Now let's move on to Packers Niners. The Packers are done. Uh, That's how I want to start off this, really, this game. This was their year, and they choked. This is a team that had three consecutive 13-win seasons, a team that clinched the first round by three years straight, a team that has had the number one seat two years straight, and a team that has a quarterback that could potentially be a back-to-back MVP winner. And yet, they have no Super Bowl appearances, let alone wins, to show for it. This was the all-in year for the Packers, and everybody, even in the Packers organization themselves, knew that this year could not be a failure. And this was the year that the Packers needed to get it done. They needed to win this year, and they blew it. But, you know... Back to the game, you know, the Packers, they looked like they had control in their first drive. They scored effortlessly on the first drive, and honestly, they would just never reach the end zone again. Even if we leave all the special teams' blunders out of the way, the Packers didn't deserve to win this game at all because of how bad the offense was. Really, neither team deserved to go to the NFC Championship game. I mean, when you look at the Niners' offense, they were not nearly as impressive at all, but yeah, this was... If this was a send-off game for Aaron Rodgers and his time in Green Bay, what a terrible way to end his tenure. 225 yards, no touchdowns, and Rodgers, he was primarily connecting with Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. And when I say primarily, I mean he basically targeted those two. The rest of the offense had a combined two catches out of six targets. The Packers' defense did play well, though, which is not exactly expected when you look at the history of their defense and how they tend to be the the reason why the Packers lose generally in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, the defense did as well as they possibly could. Rashawn Gary had a fantastic game, two sacks. Zedaria Smith had a nice returning game overall. Yeah, I mean, the secondary as well, they were lights out. The problem with the Packers, though, really, you know, I said that the offense was bad, but the special teams... That was an issue all year going to this game, and it cost the Packers really a chance to go to really cap off their all-in year by winning a Super Bowl. Late in the fourth, a Packers punt is blocked and returned for a touchdown, and that touchdown pretty much was game because you knew that Rodgers in the offense, after all this time, they couldn't, they just simply could not convert uh, going down the field. And at that point, you knew that this game was over and the Niners were going to win this game because, you know, the Packers, after they punted on a three and out, they just gave the ball back to the Niners. And all San Francisco had to do was just chew clock and get down to field goal range where Robbie Gold would hit an easy game winner. Niners win 13-10. to This loss is the end for the Packers. This is the end of an era, presumably. And with the amount of free agents the Packers are set to have and the cap hell that they are in, not to mention the whole Aaron Rodgers saga, yeah, they're doomed. And this was it. This was really the year that they were supposed to do it. And, you know, right now the the Niners, they innocently walked, waltz into the NFC Championship game. Jimmy G, as underwhelming as he's played, is making a case why he should be a starter next year, either for the Niners or maybe even for another team. But, yeah, he's had a very interesting set of playoff games so far. And we're hoping that he doesn't go to the Super Bowl because, to put it simply, I would rather have Matthew Stafford go to the Super Bowl and watch him go sling the ball and possibly win a championship than watch Jimmy G go throw ducks. I'm just saying. 
now we move on to Buccaneers Rams. This was this game was this was another game that was just weird, but somewhat in a good way because unlike the Niners Packers game, the Rams Bucks contest was very one-sided for much of the game. I mean, the Rams, especially in the past two matchups since Brady came, became a Buccaneer, they have had the Buccaneers number. And it looked like, once again, that the Rams were going to easily beat the Buccaneers. The Rams jumped out to a 27-3 lead, close enough to 28-3. And you knew after that third-quarter touchdown, notice it's also in the third quarter, that really the Bucs were, going to be able, were not going to be able to come back in this game. But like I just mentioned... 27-3 is close enough to 28-3, and the Bucks they just came back late in the fourth quarter, and they were able to make this game 27-27. Now, let's just, before I get into praising Tom Brady for his greatness, let's just make this clear that the Bucks came back in this game because the Rams tripped on their, themselves countless times. Before we talk about, really, their game-winning drive, the Rams blew this lead uh, really in six drives. The Rams' final six offensive drives were as followed. Fumble, a punt, another fumble, a missed field goal, a punt, and a fumble. Let's make this clear. Brady, while still leading an impressive comeback, was not the reason that the Bucks cut this lead. The Rams imploded. But either way, what a game this was, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Bucks' chances looked bad going to the final four minutes, but then Brady sprinkled a little bit of his magic and hit Mike Evans, for a 55-yard touchdown, no less on Jalen Ramsey. And then when the Rams got the ball on offense, Brady willed his defense to force a fumble for on Cam Akers, giving them the ball back. And you knew right there, at least it looked like at that point, that the Rams had choked. And the and Brady and the Buccaneers were going to go down the field and score. And at some point, they were going to go and win this game. But here's the problem with the Buccaneers' final offensive drive. They simply didn't chew enough clock. And they gave Matthew Stafford time. And usually Brady, he doesn't do this. He usually chews enough clock on the final drive to not give the opposing offense time to go down the field. But this time, they gave Matthew Stafford just way too much time. And Matthew Stafford, as great as Tom Brady is, Matthew Stafford is the comeback king. Stafford was able to save the day by hitting Cooper Cup on two big throws, the latter being a 44-yard bomb that, honestly, you got to give full props to Cooper Cup catching because... That was not an easy uh, throw, and neither was that an easy catch. So definitely just really props to both those guys. And that led to Matt Gay hitting a chip shot field goal that would win the Rams the game. Buccaneers lose 27-30. to And honestly, once you saw Brady come back, really make that comeback, you expected that the Bucks were going to somehow win this game. But I guess just really... Fate just didn't have the Buccaneers winning this game. And, you know, you have Todd Bowles, who you were likely going to criticize. You know, when he runs an all-man blitz and leaves Cooper Cup open with the safety. You know, maybe he might have left the New York Jets after being leaving as the head coach. But I don't think the New York Jets left him. As for Brady, there are rumors that this could be the end for him. He likely will retire. Personally, I just don't think that this is the last that we're seeing of him. I think that we know... As fans, that when you have a success, when you have the year that Brady had, and you just go and lose in a small divisional game, you know that he's gonna want to have a Peyton Manning ending. You know that that he's not gonna just settle for a, a divisional loss. Now, again, he did talk about how he needs to consult it with his family, which again, you definitely gotta respect. But uh, honestly, I just don't think that this is the end we see. I think we do see at least one more year out of Tom Brady. But if it was the end. 
then he certainly did go out with the bang, and he certainly did have an incredible performance. So definitely got to give props to him. Now, finally, we have the game of the year. This was the greatest playoff game. This could honestly be one of the greatest games of all time, no doubt about it. I mean, when we're talking about sheer quarterback play, this is one of the greatest games that two quarterbacks have played that we'll ever see. I'm a firm believer that the Patriots-Chiefs game will always be probably one of my favorite games to watch. Yeah, I don't know about that anymore. Uh, yeah, Bills-Chiefs is going to be a strong rivalry for years to come. So let's just talk about Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes was just insanely good. Allen threw for 329 yards and four touchdowns. Meanwhile, Mahomes threw for 378 yards and three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown as well. Both teams also had incredible performances from the receivers. Gabe Davis, no not Stephon Diggs, had a performance for the ages. 201 yards, four touchdowns of eight catches. While on the other side, Tyreek Hill continues to be one of the greatest talents that we've ever seen with 11 catches for 151 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, though, I mean, you talk all that smack going to the playoffs and have New England, uh, and then you set up a revenge tour with your little picture last year, and then you come out and catch three passes for a measly seven yards. I mean, I know he had a nice clutch two-point conversion catch, but that was primarily a product of Josh Allen just being Josh Allen. Not a good look for Diggs for sure, but we really don't care about Diggs. We care about the game. And this game was much different than last year's AFC Championship game. I mean, this was a back-and-forth contest. And we get to the two-minute warning, and the Bills had just scored off an amazing throw and route from Josh Allen and Gabe Davis. But then basically four plays later, the Chiefs answered with a 60-yard touchdown in which Tyreek Hill basically just showed why he's the fastest man alive. And Josh Allen, he just wouldn't go down. Even with a minute to go, he led a 75-yard drive that ended in another Gabe Davis touchdown. Then with 13 seconds left, apparently this was still too much for time for Mahomes. Two plays, and they were already in field goal range. New England couldn't possibly fathom this reality. Butker hits the field goal that ties the game at 30, 36 going to overtime. Then we know what happens after that. Mahomes gets the ball, drives down the field, and hits Kelsey for the game winner. Now, people are arguing about the overtime rules, which is fair to say to some degree, because the opposing offense really just didn't get a chance to score. The Bills, they people are saying that the Bills probably should have got a chance to go down the field and win the game. But really, doesn't that defense have also a responsibility to give their offense a chance to go down the field? I mean, yes, I know that the really the chances of winning are much higher on offense than on defense, but really, the Bills have a number one defense. And they probably should have been able to get a takeaway and give Josh Allen at least a chance. So, really, honestly, I don't understand this whole the Bills should have gotten the ball uh, on offense in overtime. Because doesn't the defense have a responsibility, you know, to give the offense a chance? Because, I mean, if I'm correct, the Bills have the number one defense in the league. And they probably should have been able to get a takeaway and give Josh Allen a chance. I'm pretty sure the saying goes, defense wins championships. And so, just because Mahomes got the ball doesn't mean the game is over. The defense still has a chance to stop Mahomes and give the ball back to Allen, and they simply fail to accomplish that goal. So, in my opinion, I still think that the overtime rules are fair. And again, it's not like if Josh Allen would have gotten the ball and they would have gone down the field and scored, then we probably would have been hearing the same talk from Kansas City. It just happens to be that overtime, and really whoever gets the ball is decided by a coin toss. 
Now, if you're stupid like Bill Belichick was in the 2015 Jets game, then you'll give it the ball back to the opposing offense. But I'm pretty sure nobody is that stupid. But either way, again, it would be pretty interesting to see uh, really the college rules be implemented if you don't know what the college rules are, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that most people do know. But either way, I believe both offenses get get a chance on offense to go and score a touchdown. And I think really that rule, those rules are pretty fair. And so, honestly, I like both rules. I personally think they're both entertaining. But, yeah, I don't really understand the whole uh, argument about, you know, the Bills didn't get a chance to go down the field and score. I mean, their defense didn't do their job. That's the defense's fault. It's defense wins championships. And the defense lost Josh Allen uh, that game. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, Josh Allen's performance was spoiled by their terrible defense. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And I will catch you guys later. Peace out. Actually, before I end this podcast, uh, I am going to be releasing a couple more Patriots podcasts uh, probably this week or next week just to be talking about really the future of the team and going to the offseason. Definitely a lot of things to talk about. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll catch you guys later. Peace out.